You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. Amen. Love never fails. I appreciate that video and the illustration of love. I don't know which was harder to see, the guy handing his daughter the keys or the cake being taken from out in front of him. I, I, just, I don't have the Father's love. I need it poured into me by the Holy Spirit. Welcome. It's good to be here. I so appreciate our church, our people, our staff, our volunteers. I appreciate Craig. Did y'all enjoy his message last week? New year, new you. Thank you, Craig. I need, I uh, hope you're praying for me. I need all the Lord's help and a couple of extra angels to be the new me God wants me to be. Trinity and I were out of town at a wedding of a dear friend. He married off his first son. It was a beautiful experience, a beautiful time of worship. I, I went forward. I told him after the wedding, I said, I almost came forward to give my life to the Lord again because it was such a beautiful service. I was so touched by the worship and just the things that are important, that as we get a little older, some things we realize aren't such a big deal that we used to think were such a big deal. But to have a table full of your people or a heart full of love and fellowship, the important things, the things God's doing in our life. So I'm glad to be back. My wife sent Trinity with me to keep me out of trouble. She made sure I had the right jacket on for the wedding. I did have to change at her request. She kept the food off my shirt. It took her at least two or three times to do that. She also pulled me onto the curb when I was talking to her walking downtown Kansas City, and a car was coming this way. And I don't you think I'm too lost by myself, but it wasn't a straight street. The car was kind of coming from an angle this way, so it was in my peripheral. Anyway, so with Trinity's help, I'm alive, and I'm back, and I'm thankful to be here with you guys. Thank you. The three people that are glad I made it through the car accident. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Let's stand together, if you would, and read God's Word. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. If not, we'll have it on the screen. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening... They started looking among their relatives and their friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, or son, or hijo. Nino, what was her tone of voice? I don't know. I'm not even sure I want to ask her when I meet her in heaven. Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Another translation says, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then they returned to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Let's pray. Father, we ask you for what your word calls the spirit of wisdom and revelation to enlighten our hearts on the inside, that we might know you better. Would you help us to hear your word, to understand your word, to apply your word, 
and in the doing to know who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. want to begin today with a topic, a theme that we'll carry with us through this year, I believe. The theme, On Purpose. Living on purpose, thinking on purpose, speaking on purpose. You can put almost anything in front of there. Um, on Purpose. The... Statistics are interesting. I Googled them. Some are a little bit different here and there. But the life expectancy of a man in the United States right now, 2023, 73.2 years. The woman, 79.1 years. If you average those together and don't check my math because averaging is difficult, I think I only had to add those two numbers and divide by two. Yeah, great. Awesome. What up? New year. New me. First math problem got right. The expectancy, if you average those out, 76.2 years. If you do that in weeks, you have 3,900 and about 60 weeks of life. I don't know where you're going with this information right now. I haven't pushed you one way or the other. Some of us are like, man, I don't have much time left. Others are like, I'm ready to go. The Bible says a lot about our life. In Psalms, it says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Genesis 6, the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever for they're mortal. I'm trying to live a life that's not in contention with God. Their days will be 120. So if you don't like the 70 or 80, line up with the Lord and ask him for the 120 if you want it. I asked my dad one time about the 120. He said, no. That's a lot. James 4, 14. Do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. So what is your life? You're just a mist that appears for a little while and just vanishes. When we think on living on purpose or having purpose in our life, we need to know that we have a beginning and we have an end. Unlike God who has no beginning and has no end. Well, let me brighten it up a little bit. God says this about your life, though, that he knows the plans that he has for you. He declares that he knows the plan. I don't know when the expiration date is. I don't know when they'll be standing here. Having said, we just buried Matt last week. Billy Graham said, if you hear I died, don't believe it. It's not true. I've only transitioned from this life to the eternal life. But as we're here with this unknowing we know our birthday, most of us. We don't know our end day. But the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. And they're good plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They're plans for a hope and a future. So we can trust the Lord with our plans and our life and our purpose. Job 14, Job says, a person's days are determined, meaning God has determined them. He has decreed the number of his months, and he set the limits that we can exceed. We don't want to shorten the days. We can't extend the days. I pray this for my daughters all the time. Lord, let them live the days you planned for them and live the dreams you dreamed for them. John 10, 28, Jesus speaking, the incarnate God in the flesh said this, I give you eternal life and you'll never perish and nothing can take you out of the Lord's hands. Purpose. 
how you spend your time. Well, I did what everybody's doing these days. I just went straight for your phone, your screen time, purpose. Have you ever been scrolling and then it was 30 minutes later? I wanted to say 30 minutes instead of 10, 30 minutes. Have you ever just been watching and then it was episode six and you thought it was just episode one and it just, the screen just kept going? That little thing came on Netflix that went starting in 30 seconds. You yawned and didn't see it and then the next episode came on. It wasn't just episode six, it was season three, episode six. You just started that night. I mean, time can get away, things can get away from us, can it? Worldwide average right now, six hours and 57 minutes a day on screen time, and that's measuring internet-connected activities, not stuff already on your phone that doesn't connect to the internet. In the world, they say, three hours and 43 minutes is spent on mobile devices, two hours and 27 minutes is spent scrolling through social media channels, an hour and 33 minutes streaming music, 55 minutes listening to podcasts. This is just an average. Some of you work online, so your, your numbers are way up. Some of you got kids, so you're always on your phone tracking them. Where are they? Apple, tell me where they are. Are you one of those dads that you, you think it helps if you turn the phone? Like I was like this the other day. It's, not, it's saying shit, they can't find her. Maybe I'm not pointing north. I don't want to criticize your time. My point is we've got a limited number of weeks, limited number of hours, limited number of days. I want to live those days on purpose. If my purpose needs to be 10 or 15 hours a day on a screen because that's what I do and that's what I need to do, then I want to on purpose be on that screen. But if that screen or anything else or anybody else or any something else is taking away time from my purpose, I heard a pastor say one time, you can lose money and get it back. Ooh, it felt painful when he said that. I don't like to lose any money. But he said, how do you get time back? He went on later in that message to say all the people he had sat by in a hospital bed or their deathbed at home, he said, I never heard anyone ask for anything more than I wish I had more time. Well, the Lord has determined your time. We just want to live it on purpose. And I think today in this introduction to purpose for our year, we should start with the one we're following, Jesus who even as a 12-year-old young man knew where he should be. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? If I'm going to orient my life, say I'm a follower of Christ, a Christian, trying to be Christ-like, that I've given my life to him and he's my leader and I'm his follower, then I want to follow his example. I should be about my father's business. Sound like a good purpose? Well, we're going to look in a few weeks and probably throughout the year and probably the rest of our life examining the purposes of God and how Jesus ex exemplified those and how other of his followers showed us, though. I sure don't think I'm going to wrap up purpose in a month. I wouldn't be able to adequately go through all the things. In fact, you've probably found following Christ, you're learning things every day. That same scripture from last year means a little bit something different this year. So we won't exhaust purpose, we won't get to the end of purpose, but oh, let's do our best to be on purpose. I'm easily distracted. The Apostle Paul said, I want to do things and I don't even do them. I don't want to do things and I end up doing them. Who can save me? I'm just a wretched man. But he ends that conversation saying, praise be to God through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Me, a man who cannot be on purpose, I can be on purpose with God's help. So we're not going to lean on our own strength, but we're going to lean on the Lord. Would you agree? Amen. All right. And if we were really loud and Pentecostal or AG or whatever, we might say, help me, God. Or if we were cool, we'd say, help me. All right, I need to stay on track. I might need Trinity to come stand by me, keep me out of the road, out of the ditches. Where's my handler when I need it? Jesus said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? It says in this scripture that it was the custom of his family to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. Hey, your custom of bringing your family to church, that's a good custom. Jesus' family did that. Your custom of being here on Wednesday nights or doing Bible study or praying in the morning when, before you start your day or whatever part of the day you can find that time. I'm more awake in the evenings than I am in the morning, you may have noticed. Whatever your traditions are, your customs are, the things you have in line and in order to follow the Lord, those are good things. Don't stop doing those things. Jesus' parents, they were raising the Son of God. They still took him to church. It says there were customs, and they kept doing it. But then because they were in a crowd of group and family and friends, they uh, didn't notice that he wasn't traveling back when they're, with their large group to where they lived. And I don't know if you've ever lost a kid. I uh, told my wife at a, three, six, a sweet 16, she was at the Lions Club. Anybody ever been to the Lions Club? It's not a huge facility, smaller than this room right here. She said, I'm going to the restroom, watch your daughter. As any proud man would I say, I gave her a little look out of the corner of my eye. You think I can't watch my kids? Oh, don't say that stuff out loud, Matt. Please learn your lesson. It took PJ this long to go to the restroom. It was right behind me. I'm talking to the father of the Sweet 16 girl. Trinity's the Sweet 16 flower girl. Micah is the child I'm supposed to be watching. In a matter of... The vapor of my life, PJ came out and said, where's your daughter? If she wasn't so sweet and kind, she would have said, that you can watch. And I said, right here. And then we frantically, like Jesus' parents, hey, I was like Jesus' parents. Awesome. I feel so much better about myself now. Never mind, I don't even have to tell you this story. No, I'll tell you the story. We looked around in the Lions Club. It's just a square room. She wasn't there. She had already managed to be in the parking lot. Oh, I feel it, Mary and Joseph. How easy to not know where your child is. Of course, I just lost mine in a couple of minutes. I mean, they've been all day till they noticed them wasn't at dinner. Anyway, <laughs> is this guy really criticizing Mary and Joseph? Like right after Christmas? You could wait till February, man. No, I'm not criticizing them. They find Jesus in the temple. Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business, my purpose? And he was 12 when he said this. Oh, young person. Anybody young in here besides me? Well, I'm not as young as I used to be. I had a birthday. Younguns, younguns, chillins. You're living a real life now. Not when they say when you get in the real world. No, you're in the real world. Listen, you are not too young, no matter how young you are, to be on purpose. We have a children's ministry going on right now. I had some parents tell me the other day, my youth were trying to say the Lord's Prayer. They couldn't remember it. The 10-year-old said, we do that every week in children's church. This is how it goes. 
And I'm like, yeah, Miss Sarah. I appreciate that we have an age limit on there because I feel like there would be some adults that would opt into Sarah's class rather than regular. Well, that's another story. Man, Trinity needs to stand by me, right? Because I just keep going left and right. Hey, no matter how old you are, 10, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 20, 30, 40, 50. If you're in our AG seniors group, man, and that group is an awesome group. Wherever we are, we can be on purpose. Jesus was 12. He said, I know my purpose. I must be about my father's business. Well, let's look real quickly at this scripture. Jesus on purpose about his father's business. So let's look into just a little bit of his father's business. I'm going to give you three things today. First, Jesus was sent by God. He was on purpose because he knew where he came from. You know, when they, they manufacture things, it's the person that creates the thing that can tell us how it works. What's that? Well, let me tell you. And then if you find out from the manufacturer or from reading those, what are they called? Destructions? That's what I call instructions. I call them destructions, so I don't read them. Um, but if you don't know what an object is made for, then they'll tell you that you'll use it for something else, which can be a form of abuse. That's what's happened to a lot of us in our lives. Someone didn't realize we were made in the image of God with the purpose that we came from the heart of the Father, and they used us in a way that we weren't supposed to be used, and that's called abuse. But Jesus knew his purpose. He knew he had been sent from the Father. Look at this, John 5, 37. And the Father who sent me has himself said, testify concerning me. This is Jesus talking. John 6, no one could come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I stand with the Father who sent me. And there are many other ver ver verses where Jesus stated, the Father sent me. He was on purpose because he knew who had sent him with the purpose. Oh, if we could wrestle and hold on to this for the rest of our lives. Jesus at 12 went home and was obedient to his parents and grew in wisdom and stature with God and man. If we could hold on to this, that we are sent on purpose by God. You and I are sent on purpose. No, Matt, that's talking about Jesus. Yes, but we follow Jesus. Let me tell you how you're on purpose. We read the verse a minute ago. God knows the plans he has for you. He declares it. It's plans or purposes to prosper you and not to harm you. It's plans to give you a hope and a future. God knows his plans or his purposes. You have been sent by God. He dreamed you. They tell kids sometimes, oh, you were an accident. You were a mistake. Maybe to your mom and dad, but not to God. He knew he even knit you together in your mother's womb. God knows the plan. You like Jesus. I like Jesus. We've been sent by God. Now, I haven't been sent as the son of God, but I've been grafted in, adopted into his family. Just like you, follower of Christ, we've become the children of God. We have a purpose. We've been sent by God. Jesus kept repeating it. You need to repeat it. God has a plan for me. God has a way for me. God has a purpose for me. I'm sent by God. Oh, I'm not God's gift to the world, but I'm sent by God. I am in Christ, and like Christ, there's a purpose. I'm sent by God. All right? I just upgraded you. Well, really, I didn't. You were already that. But if you didn't know that, then you just moved ahead in your life. You've been sent by God. God has a plan for you. Look at Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, a human plans their course, but the Lord is establishing our steps. 
He's closing doors so we don't walk off the wrong way. He's opening doors so that we can find them and go through them. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived, he started off as a murderer of Christians. He had a new life. Craig talked about it last week, a transformative event in his life that led him to a knowledge of Christ, and he wrote most of the New Testament. He would say to people, I've been trying to come to you, but the Holy Spirit keeps stopping me. The Lord would determine his step. You're not going there today, Paul. So he would turn around and see if he could go a different way. We don't always know which way we're going, but we can trust the Lord. We've been sent by God. God has a plan for us. If you feel planless, pointless, purposeless, then erase that. That is not the truth over your life. The truth of your life is that God has loved you with an everlasting love. He dreamed you, created you, and set you here. Determined what years you would live, where you would live. It says in Acts, your borders and your times. The Lord has purposed you and planned you. You are sent by God. You are sent by God. You are sent by God. I need three more amens. I'm taking roll and if people are getting extra recess. No, I want it to come. I want us to wrestle with it. I don't feel sent by God. I don't perform to a level where I'm sent by God. But God says he knows my plans. The plans he has for me. Jesus, I'm sent by God, I've been sent by God, I've been sent by God. And now in Christ, we have become God's ambassadors, sent by God. You're sent by God. You can live on purpose because you're sent by God. Let's look again. Jesus explained this in John 5. I'm going to tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He's speaking of himself. The son, me, Jesus, he's speaking in the first person. He said, he only does, well, he's speaking in the third person, isn't he? Man, I did so good on math, and now English is just killing me. Let me just read the verse. So Jesus explained this. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. To live on purpose, Jesus submitted his life to the father, the incarnate son of God, the light of the world, the one with whom everything was made through him and for him and to him, submitted himself to the father. You want to live on purpose? It's going to take submission. Ooh, we love that word, don't we? Mom, please tell me what to do. Mom, please ask me if I need a Tylenol or if I've eaten. Well, yeah, ask me if I've eaten because whether I have or not, I'm coming in. Old guys, whatever age that is, isn't it hard when your mom tries to treat you like a son? This son, the son of God, submitted himself to the father. He said, I will not allow myself to do anything that I don't see the father and follow his example. If we're going to live on purpose, we've got to submit to a higher purpose, the highest purpose. Jesus said this, if you cling to your life, if you cling to your own will, if you try to hold on to your own way, your own dreams, your own visions, the way you want to go, he said, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose this life and the life to come. He said, but if you'll let that go, in his words, if you lose it, if you lose your life, your plans, your choices, your will, he said, oh, you give it up to me, you'll find it in this life and in the one to come. There is a submitting to God to find our purpose. 
It's a journey. We're not just going to get it tonight. We're not going to get a holy down this morning. We're not going to get a holy download. Oh, I'm on purpose. It's a process. It's a growing thing. We grow up in the Lord. He continues his process of salvation and sanctification in our life. We grow, we mature, we become more Christ-like. God continues to conform us to the image of his son, but there is submission into it. And you might look at this verse and think, well, that's Jesus, so of course he's perfect. He could submit to God. Well, let me tell you a man that said it, John the Baptist, he said, he looked at Jesus and he said, he must become greater and I must become less. Submission from a man. A human, like not miraculously born, not the divine son of God. This is just John. I mean, John was the greatest man born of a woman, Jesus said. But he said the, great, the least in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is greater even than John. What's your point? My point is it's humanly possible for us to take this position of submission and to say, God, you increase and I'll decrease. Your way, not my way. Your purpose, not my purpose. Your plans, not my plans. And if you've tried that before, you know that you sometimes walk back over to those things you laid down and try to pick them up, right? And then you have to lay them down again. Oh, that's okay, though. The Lord likes that. He likes to watch his children growing up and choosing him again and again and admitting when we fail and celebrating when we succeed. I think of the Apostle Paul who said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, everything I have, I count it as trash compared to knowing God. In fact, I'm dead to myself. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He was submitting to God on a daily basis, following Jesus' request and command, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. It's a death to ourselves. It is so contrary to this world that is a me and an elevate me and my truth and my way and my plans and my world, my purpose, my rights. And Jesus' example is that he would lay down all that he had to the Father, and then those that would come to know him would do the same. Amen. We can live on purpose. We can submit to the Lord. Jesus said this, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it, and he's the judge. We can live on purpose for the glory of God, which goes in contrast to this world. Climb the ladder. Climb over whoever you have to. Get yours. Well, that sounds kind of rough. So now there's even these other versions of, hey, there's enough for everybody. Let's get all we can get. And maybe there's not things that are all wrong with those things, but Jesus said, I'm not seeking glory for myself. All glory to God, our Father in Christ Jesus. We can be on purpose when it's not about us, but it's about the Lord. For the glory of God, look what Jesus says about you. You're the light of the world. You're a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. You're the one with the light of God in you, positioned wherever God's placed you, on a hill, on a lampstand, so that his light would shine out of you. For what? 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. It's not like, hey, how's my lamp look? What's up? Looks a little larger than last year. It's not like, I'm such a wonderful lamp with a great light. So sophisticated and proper. It's not like, man, I got all my light shining, man, what's up? It's not about us. It's about the light that's in us. We're, in fact, jars of clay. So that everybody goes, man, it can't be about Matt. It must be the Lord. Let your light shine so that they see you and glorify God. Jesus said, I didn't come for my own glory. And we don't live for our own glory. On purpose, we live for the glory of the Father. Oh, the Lord will help us. God never asks us to do anything that he's not willing to enable us to do. It's called grace, the enabling to do what we would be unabling to do ourselves. That's what grace is. It's the ability given to us by God. It's the grace of God coming into our lives that we might live the way he wants us to live. If God asks us to do something, it comes with the guarantee that he's willing to back it up with support and with the infilling of his spirit so that we can live it out. He doesn't give us a command that we can't achieve. Oh, we can't necessarily achieve them in our own strength, but we can achieve them in the strength of the Lord because it's so great, the one who lives in us. I'm going to mispronounce this word. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. It's Japanese. It's, uh, I mean, does anybody speak Japanese? Ikigai? I, I, I really don't want to. Uh, I'm in enough trouble already for messing up English and Spanish. I don't need another language to answer to people for. But as I was looking into purpose and I was researching and reading a little bit, I came about this Japanese philosophy about purpose, ikigai, and, and forgive me for the pronunciation, but iki means life and gai means meaning. And so it's this philosophy, and I don't know anything about it except that. It's a philosophy about purpose in life. So I'm not telling you that's a great thing or a bad thing. I'm not comp- commenting on the Japanese culture or anything. There's a word that means life and meaning and a philosophy behind it in Japan. But there's a westernized version, and I know a little bit about that. I'm going to talk to you about that. There's a westernized version, the Western world, our world, the American version of that, that takes the meaning of life, and boils it down to four things. It says, find what you love, find what you're good at, find what you can get paid for, and find what the world will buy or needs. And if you do those four things in the westernized version of Ikigai, then you will find meaning and purpose. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea to find what you love to do. It's better than doing what you hate to do, right? Just sign me up for cleaning everybody's room. Yeah. Find what you're good at. I don't think that's bad advice either. Find what you can get paid for. Man, if they keep raising the prices of everything, we're going to have to find some more things we can get paid for, right? Find what the world will buy or what the world needs, what there's a demand for. Those aren't bad pieces of advice. But when I was reading about this westernized version of this philosophy, it was all about self. It was all about making it for you. What's your purpose? How can you have your best life? How can I achieve 
my dreams? How can I make the money I want to get where I want to be? And I just have a hard time reconciling that with Jesus, who was a man of sorrows, acquainted with our sufferings, who laid down his life for the least of these, who humbled himself before the Lord, James would say, and then the Lord lifted him up. If the Lord elevates us, we're elevated. If we've elevated ourselves, we better be careful for whatever can knock that out from under us. I don't think it's bad to, to understand things and how the world works and to achieve and to gain money and to gain wealth and to gain friends and to gain influence. I don't think any of that's wrong. I want to be careful that I follow Jesus' purpose where it's about the glory of God and not the glory of Matt. And knowing me, I'll fall on the wrong end of that real easy. You can look very humble and be full of pride. I didn't read that in a book. It's not wrong to have. It's not wrong to produce. It's not wrong to do ikigai or these westernized versions of it. I just have to be careful that my purpose is about God's glory and not my glory. I must decrease. He must increase. If you need one verse for purpose, oh, there's a lot of them. I'll probably have a different one each week. Here's a good one for today. Jesus said this, this is eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and to know Jesus, the one you sent to earth. You want purpose? Know God. Spend everything you have, time, energy, strength, your waking hours, spend it to know God. That's eternal life. So today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to ask you, would you take a moment and reflect and say, do I want to live on purpose? Do I want the purpose of God or do I have another purpose? Would you make a decision or at least begin to contemplate it or maybe renew a decision? No, I've given my life to God and I want to live for him. And at the beginning of this year, I want to state once again, my life on purpose is for the Lord. And could you remember it and think about it maybe in your reflection today in the three ways that God sent Jesus and he sent you. That Jesus submitted to God and we to be on purpose must be submitted to God. And that it's all for the Father's glory, not ours. And so we purpose to give God the glory and to shine for him, not for us. The team is going to play a verse and a chorus. I'm going to ask you to stand or to sit. Well, that was instructive. Some of you worship comes out of you better. Thinking comes out of you better. You're like me. You get on the phone, you have to pace. So you should stand. Some of you, your feet hurt. And if you stand up, you're only going to think about your feet. So stay seated. If someone's sitting down, don't go ask them about their feet. They might be seated for another reason. All right. But today I want to invite you to respond just by giving God your commitment. Lord, I'm going to live on purpose for you. You sent me, I'm submitted to you, and I'm keeping submitting to you, and I want it to be for your glory, not for my way, but your way. In whatever way you can say that to the Lord in this time, that's what this time of prayer is for. When we're through singing, we'll come up, I'll come back up, and we'll take communion together. If you walked in today and you didn't get a cup, and you want to take communion with us, the Baskets are on the side here. You can get one. Or if not, in a moment, you can raise your hand. The ushers will bring it. But for this verse and this chorus, 
What will you say to the Lord about purpose and living on purpose? Let's respond to his great invitation to us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.